today on Ag News Daily. They have to do that and they have to fill time and pages. The reality of the situation is all you got to do is follow the market. Right now, future spreads are inverted. So what's that telling me if I've got old crop? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, co-host of the Ag News Daily Podcast, joined by Delaney Howell, who I believe right now is fashioning a raft so she can leave her house. <laughs> Delaney, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I might have to fashion a raft or somebody's going to have to come like pull me out in their kayak or something. So central Iowa, north, northeast central Iowa. So like Tama County, Marshall, Blackhawk counties have all been getting a ton of rain since Friday. I don't want to speak for everybody, but in our part of the country or our part of the state, we've probably gotten five to seven inches since Friday and now have cornfields that look more more like lakes than cornfields. And our gravel road is uh, probably about half flooded over last I checked, uh, about 1230. So... Yeah, I tell you what, those thunderstorms, they start in South Dakota, they make their way through southeastern South Dakota into Iowa, all across the northern tier of Iowa County. I was talking to a friend of mine in northeast Iowa. He also said they've seen seven or eight inches, and these storms are ongoing. I pulled up the radar right now. We're cutting this at about 115, and there are more storms firing up Mm -hmm. in South Dakota right now, moving their way across the Corn Belt. We're seeing this weather Definitely take some of the weather market talk out of the corn market. Corn is a little bit lower today, which we'll get to because it is hashtag Market Monday. But we've also got on the podcast, Miss Ashton Carr. Ashton, are you wet down in Texas? No, I don't want to brag to you guys, but it is pretty beautiful down here. It hasn't really been too hot, though I do believe we're going to get into triple digits this week. But it is very beautiful down here. We've got that nice warm breeze. But I gotta say, we could use some of that some of that rain down here. Absolutely, I've heard that from a bunch of folks down there in the southern plains. Every day, I get to uh, do a little radio show. Well, not too far from you in Dimmit, Texas, actually. And uh, yeah, they've been talking about the the dryness and the heat and the hot winds that have been going on down there. It is a a tale of two countries for sure when it comes to moisture. Oh, absolutely. But Delaney, we mm-hmm. better talk to you before you have to uh, float mm-hmm. away. What headlines are you watching today? Well, this is very timely, but speaking of water, we've got some updates on the waters, navigable waters protection rule or the waters of the U.S. We saw a federal judges declined to block implementation of the Trump administration's WOTUS rule, which will allow it to go into effect today as scheduled, replacing the Obama-era WOTUS. So good news there for agriculture. Basically, we're going back to pre-Obama era on WOTUS and how navigable waters are governed, or rather not governed in this case. Right. So this is the the rule that officially kind of rolls back a lot of the onerous uh, restrictions that were put on place in that initial WOTUS. This one has been pretty well celebrated by most uh, industry stakeholder groups, hasn't it? It has, yes. So this was kind of a last-ditch effort to stop it from going into place. It obviously didn't do anything. And um, it was, a, I think, a San Francisco court that put some sort of uh, fuss up about having it go back to pre-Obama era. 
Gotcha. Well, I've got a story. You know, we're still talking coronavirus. We're going to be talking coronavirus for a long time, I'm afraid. But um, it was announced that uh, it was announced yesterday, I should say on Sunday, that China has suspended imports of poultry products from a plant here in the U.S. owned by Tyson down in Arkansas. This is a poultry plant and they had been shipping poultry over to China. However, that plant had a COVID outbreak and China has said they will no longer accept imports from that single plant. However, this announcement has really rocked the pork market because this shows that China is appearing, at least, to crack down on meat shipments. We talked about this last week. They said they were going to ramp up testing at their ports. Now it's like, looks like they're looking out to see where outbreaks are happening and then suspending imports from those particular plants. We know the United States, well, every place, has had trouble keeping coronavirus out of packing facilities. So now the concern is, if a pork packing plant has an outbreak, even if none of the uh, even if none of the COVID survives a journey over to China and gets tested positive, just because it has an outbreak, China may be willing to suspend imports from that particular facility. And uh, Chinese pork purchases have really kind of kept that market afloat here the past several weeks. So we'll be watching this very closely to see what happens going forward. Do we know for sure? I mean, I know they've put out a lot of guidance and then changing things about surface um, contact and transmission, but can food transmit COVID-19? I I have no idea. Um, I, the science on this thing is changing so quickly, mm-hmm. right? For a while it was, yeah, cardboard boxes can harbor this thing for weeks. And then right. I was like, oh, yeah, no, you don't have to worry about services. I did hear the uh, University of Minnesota's uh, they had an immunology or infectious diseases lab up there, and their chief was on the radio last week, and he said that personally in his daily life, he's not at all concerned about services. He said he's concerned about okay. people coughing on him and that sort of thing. So my gut tells me that actually shipping this virus to China isn't very likely, but it sounds like the Chinese aren't going to take any chances. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I just looked up on the CDC website and they say that there's no evidence to suggest that handling food or consuming food is associated with COVID-19. They're more concerned, like Mike said, with person to person through respiratory droplets when they cough, sneeze or anything like that. Gotcha. So the challenge with meatpacking plants has nothing to do with the food. It's just the fact it's a lot of people Mm -hmm. working in close quarters. Exactly. Well, actually, if you don't mind, ladies, I've got one other news story that kind of ties all of this together. And this is down out of Brazil. I've talked quite a bit about COVID issues spreading in Brazil and how the Brazilian government has been a lot more lax in its response to COVID than governments here in the U.S. or in individual states. But the government of Brazil on Friday published new guidelines for meat packers because they continue to see these spikes at plants. Um, basically, the package of measures is one measure and it's uh, workers have to stay one meter apart, uh, which in, you know, the God's distance is uh, a little over a foot or excuse me, a little over a yard or three feet apart. And uh, that's basically what they're doing. So the labor movement in Brazil is frustrated. They say this does not go far enough. The ministry is not requiring any kind of testing. And uh, basically this is it. So this is how Brazil is choosing to address this issue in their meatpacking plant. So if China is serious about suspending imports from facilities that have outbreaks, I've got to imagine Brazil will see some import suspensions as well. 
Well, and speaking of Brazil, uh, taking things across the world here, the United States and Brazil have lodged separate protests or complaints with Thailand of all countries over Thailand's recent ban on two farm chemicals. Um, Chlorpyrifos is one of them, and I'm trying to find the other one. I believe it was Paraquat. Does that sound right? That is a chemical. Okay, that is the other one then. So essentially, as of June 1, Thailand has decided to ban these two pesticides, which could impact U.S. and Brazilian exports of wheat and soy. And, you know, you wouldn't think Thailand is a big market, but they account for about a billion dollars worth of wheat and soy imports worldwide a year. So I just saw that headline. I have not dug into it. So Delaney, I'm turning to you for the Mm -hmm. expertise. It's... It sounds like in what you just reported that Thailand is not just banning the use of the chemical in Thailand. They're banning the importation of crops that have been treated with these two? Correct. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a pending, I guess you could say it's a pending ban um, because they're taking comments up until July 18th. But it makes it sound like as of June 1, that's kind of the end of the line here. And they're at least temporarily halting any sort of crops that have been used, had those chemicals used on them. Gotcha. All right. Well, Ashton, what other stories are you keeping an eye on today? So I know it is a couple of months away, but the USDA Farm Service Agency has said that the safety net signup for 2021 dairy margin coverage will begin on October 12th and run through December 11th of this year. So I know October seems like a lifetime away, but FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce said that if we've learned anything in the past six months, it's to expect the unexpected, and I definitely think that he is correct. So there's no telling what the dairy market is going to look like in 2020, especially with COVID-19, that domino effect. And so if you are a dairy farmer, I would definitely keep an eye out on that and get ready to apply for that DMC coverage. Absolutely. We never know what is going to come. In fact, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. We probably won't get a chance to discuss dairy during the Market Monday conversation we have coming up in just a second. But class three milk futures in the deferred months up over a dollar today. The biggest single one day move I've seen since I've been watching the markets. With that segue complete, Delaney, do you have any other news or should we jump into the markets? Let's do it. All right, folks, and our markets are brought to us by our friends at agmarket.net. For risk management and protection, visit their website. It's right there in their name at agmarket.net. We've got mixed trade in the grains today. Corn lower, beans mixed, wheat higher as the U.S. dollar weakened further. Taking a look at the corn market, July down four and a quarter at 328 and a quarter. December down three and three quarters. Finish the day at 341 and a half. Over in soybeans, July up a quarter cent at 876 and three quarters, while the November new crop was down one and a quarter to finish at 879 and a half. Over in the wheat market, July, Chicago wheat up two and three quarter cents at 484 even. December up two and a half to finish the day at 496 and three quarters. Looking at the live Stock markets. We do have some of that concern about Chinese meat imports weighing on the market. In addition to this ongoing spike in coronavirus cases, causing some demand concern. Plus, Friday was the cattle on feed report. Apologies for not getting to it. We saw 11.7 million head in feedlots. That is down slightly from the uh, May number 
However, it is the second largest headcount in feedlots since the report was started in 1996. That is definitely going to weigh on prices, and it did today. The August contract, live cattle down 27.5 cents at 95.1250. The October, also down 27.5 at 98.5750. Feeder cattle down a little bit more. The August off 80 cents at 131.75. September down 80 as well, closed at 133.0750. And lean hogs bearing the brunt of that Chinese fear. July contract down a dollar sixty two and a half at forty six eighty two fifty. The August down a dollar seventy to close at fifty one ten. And the dairy market, like a rocket ship today, our friend Naomi Bloom reported that the cheese market is still carrying class three milk. And it was carrying a lot of water today. June class three milk up a penny at twenty one dollars even. The July up a dollar oh two to close at twenty two twenty. Holy cow. That is an update at the markets. Now let's have a great conversation with our good friend, Darren Newsom. Well, for today's hashtag Market Monday conversation, as promised, we are chatting with Darren Newsom of Darren Newsom Analysis. How are you doing today, Darren? I'm doing well, Delaney. Good to visit with you again. You too. We always love having you on the podcast for your unique perspective. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, Darren. But I tell you what, we here in central Iowa have been getting a ton of rain. It, but, you know, mm-hmm. you look at corn markets today and they didn't seem to care one bit and shrugged off any sort of a weather talk. Are, are you starting to hear or have concern about a weather market? No. Um, and, and you're right. You know, <laughs> Fridays and Mondays. This is very nor- this is very normal, very average activity for Fridays and Mondays, where Fridays you trade the weather forecast, you see what happens over the weekend, you come back in on Monday and you either sell it if it actually rained or you buy it if it didn't rain. And so that's really all we saw today. Uh, and it wasn't as aggressive as it might have been. I think that had to do with the degree of some of the rains, the the extent of some of the rains. You know, across Iowa, where you know maybe parts of Nebraska didn't get quite as much as forecast. So, yeah, it was pretty much a. I'm just going to say it's pretty much an as expected day. Uh, saw some commercial selling in new crop corn again. That's what one would expect with the type of rains we saw over the weekend. By and large, now we'll see what happens overnight into Tuesday and, and here on out as people start arguing about. You know, is everything flooded out? Is it going to have to be replanted? Is it this? Is it that? Is it everything else? Now we'll wait and see. Well, Darren, let's talk about the technical setup here in the December new crop corn market. You know, we've been watching this thing. We've had this back and forth trade. It looks like that 340, 340 and a half mark in December has been kind of a line in the sand for like six days. Is that enough to think in your mind that it would offer any support or has that just been luck of the draw where prices have been uh, trading recently? Now, corn decides to go sideways and with no reason to get above, say, if I just look at the daily chart recently, we had a high 348.5 and and the low recently, 338 and three quarter. Um, let's see, Friday we had 339. So we can just call it 339 to uh, 349 to 339. We're in that 10 cent range. Uh, on these corn, and it doesn't have a reason to break out of it. Now, you know, one would have thought with the rains that we saw, we could have pressed the over the weekend. We could have pressed the low side a little bit. 
Maybe we do. My guess is we come right back and we're trading steady, maybe a little higher overnight. I don't think we had enough selling interest to last through the overnight session. So it just, corn likes to go sideways until it has a reason to not go sideways anymore. And right now, I just don't think it has that reason. Darren, what about when you turn your attention to new crop soybeans? It looks like perhaps mm-hmm. they've put in a low. Are they headed up from here, or are they also comfortable trading in a range? Well, soybeans don't. Uh, soybeans are the the opposite of corn that they do not like to go sideways. Uh, um, and on weekly charts, so I was looking at the daily chart on corn, on the weekly chart in soybeans, we've been in an uptrend now for quite a while, going back to say the week of, uh, oh, what was that? April 20th, we've been in a secondary uptrend. So, you know, now we're banging our head up against some possible resistance around 889. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a high of 884 and a half. Last week, we had a high of 884 and a quarter. If we can pop through that, we'll probably take out the 889, make a run at nine. Uh, soybeans, as I've said a number of times here over the last couple of weeks, I am either extremely bearish soybeans or extremely bullish, and I don't know which one right now. And this is all due to fundamentals. And fundamentally, we are getting two completely different reads on the soybean market, and time will tell which one is correct. Well, let's talk about some of the fundamental factors. Darren, you know, we've had decent exports. Is that one of the main fundamental factors you're keeping an eye on? We've had terrible exports. Well, not on the new crop. I stepped in the last three weeks and made tremendous Okay, Okay, Mike, Mike, have we exported those? Well, of course not. Right. No. Those are just sales. Those are, those are painting to make it look really pretty for a trade deal. We haven't, we haven't shipped any new crop. And so a lot of people are blowing smoke that, hey, this is great. And it could be. Fundamentally, the spreads are saying new crop is extremely bullish. So there is that possibility. We have been making some sales. But old crop shipments are horrible. And inspections this morning were, what, less than 10 million bushels? We're not moving any soybeans. And so from a fundamental read, if I look at the cash market and I look at what quarterly stocks have been saying over the course of the marketing year, I'm still in the camp that says we actually have more than a billion bushels of old crop soybeans. On the other hand, if I look at spreads, which is what I always argue, and this is why I say I'm confused on this one, if I look at spreads, the July-August is inverted, and we have very little carry in new crop, and that's extremely bullish. So fundamentally, soybeans are bearish, about as bearish a market as you can imagine. If we look at spreads, soybeans are about as bullish as one can imagine. So... So Darren, that's a really good point. I'm, I'm glad you raised that issue about export sales being very different, different from actual exports. But mm-hmm. given that there's this huge break in the market between the fundamental news that's being reported out there with these, these big sales and what the spreads are telling you, how can farmers capitalize, capitalize on this? Where's the arbitrage opportunity? How should growers be marketing in this weird environment? Newsom rule number two. 
You guys have known me a long time. You know I've got a fun set of rules. There's some rule number two. Let the market dictate your action. I don't care what the news is. The why is not important. It's all made up anyway. It just, you know, people have to fill pages with junk. And so they have to talk about stuff on programs. They have to do this. They have to do that. And they have to fill time and pages. The reality of the situation is all you got to do is follow the market. And right now, future spreads are inverted. So what's that telling me if I've got old crop? That means even though cash market's not that strong, we need to feed this cash market because it's inverted. The market's telling us that it needs soybeans right now. Why? I don't know. But the what is it's inverted once cash soybeans. As for new crop, I, you know, if I still think ending stocks are over a billion bushels, that means beginning stocks for next year, the next marketing year, are over a billion bushels. Yet future spreads are still bullish. This would indicate that the market still has some room to the upside. Am I one of those $10, $11 analysts? I think you guys both know me well enough to know the answer to that. <laughs> um, but I do think we're going to see some opportunity, particularly if that NOV contract can pop through the last couple of weeks' highs. That opens the door back up to, again, the, you know, possibly the 905 up to maybe 925. Wait, can Darren, we go back for a second here, Darren? What's what's Darren Newsom's sure. number one rule? If that was your number two rule, uh huh. Don't get crossways with the trend. Okay. Follow the trend. Follow the trend. Newton, you know that that's Newsom's rule number one because Newton's first law of motion is a trend in motion applied to markets is a is a is a trending market will stay in that trend until acted upon by an outside force, and so. Let's just follow that trend. Right now, the trend of soybeans is up. Future spreads are bullish. So the market's telling us, you know, we've got a more bullish supply and demand situation. We've got an inverted future spread. We need to sell some cash into this and we need to keep feeding this market. What's, Rules one and two. What's the trend then when we look to the Chicago wheat pits, Darren? Pretty ugly because <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just that time of year. Um, but if we look at Chicago, uh, and we look at the July contract. Let's pull that up. Um, interesting move today in that it's been in a downtrend. We've been in a secondary downtrend. Again, I, you know, Goldilocks principle, I look at weekly charts. So uh, looking at the weekly chart, we've been in a secondary downtrend since, say, January. Last, last week, we hit a new low on July, Chicago, 476. We stabilized to start this week. And we're in position to put some, technic, uh, some bullish technical signals in here that would indicate secondary trends getting ready to go up. It'd be a contra-seasonal move because seasonally, uh, winter wheat tends to lose 18% from the first part of July through the end of August. This is a horrible time frame. So if we can get some, something bullish going on here, uh, it would be completely contra-seasonal. Darren, I know you don't like to talk fundamentals, but we also know that you have a I love very to talk. I love deep, to talk I love to well, talk real fundamentals. Well, okay. I don't like to talk You've got a made up fundamentals. Of, that's fair. You've got a deep set of tentacles into wheat country. What's your read on harvest and how that's progressing in winter wheat country so far? It was doing really well until the last few days and, and the ironic thing is, you know, the wheat was coming along, it was maturing. Uh, we had ninety plus degree days, we had strong wind. Uh, up through central Kansas, northern Kansas, wheat was getting ready for harvest. And then the last three days, they've had four and a half inches of rain. So now combines are, are put on hold for a little bit. 
What I was hearing is that in the central part of the state, the heart of the wheat belt, basically the heart of the U.S. wheat growing area, was having good yields, good quality wheat. Further west, that was still in a drought. Obviously, yields were down. Protein was up a little bit, but that's usually the case with stressed wheat, heat-stressed wheat. So no real surprises through the early part of harvest into Kansas, uh, except for possibly the further south yields might have been a little stronger, a little higher than what uh, folks were talking or were thinking beforehand. Darren, what about the milk markets? I know that's probably not one you keep a close eye on, but I mean, gosh, today's moves were pretty impressive. And I feel like we just have to at least mention it and see if there was anything you were watching oh. today. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, it's one of the markets that I cover every weekend uh, in, 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 in my weekly analysis. And, you know, when I looked at last week's chart and just the skyrocket that we saw, uh, in the uh, in the July contract, and let me pull that up here for today, just to go weekly. Uh, yeah, another gap higher. All right, we are in one of those rocket moves at this point, where we're leaving gaps on the weekly chart, and that's both bullish and bearish because at some point it gets a little top heavy. You hit a tipping point, everything comes down. But right now, what we're dealing with is. We had all that time because of lack of demand. Everyone was dumping, uh, you know, the dairy producers were dumping trucks and this and that, and there was no, no, uh, no milk moving. Well, now we are starting to see demand slowly come back to ideas that, you know, ideas that we're going to see schools opening again this fall. Restaurants are starting to open. Dairy starting to be used. So you've got this demand coming back. Now all of a sudden we're in a tighter supply situation. So, We've got this vertical move and no idea how high it might go. No way of putting the brakes on it at this point. But at some point, again, it tops out, gets top heavy, comes falling right back down. Gotcha. Keep your head on a swivel in the dairy market. Darren, you talked about how the trend uh, yeah. is your friend. Let's look at the trend mm-hmm. in the hog market. It is definitely moving oh. lower. Is there... Yeah. I mean, other than zero, which after crude oil, we know zero isn't even a stopping point anymore. What, what are you watching for levels exactly. that might offer some support? You know, the, I, I was visiting with a customer earlier today, uh, and we were talking about, you know, right now the attention's on the August lean hog contract. Uh, we've got pressure, we've got commercial pressure in the spreads as far as the eye can see. In, in the hog market. I mean, we've got bearish spreads, you know, all, all the way out through Feb, Feb, April, and so on. What I see in the August right now is a break of 50. Then at about the same time, crude oil was going to minus 30, 37. I believe it was the nearby April hog contract fell to $37. It was a spike low in April, 2020 here. If we push that aside and say that was an anomaly, then we have to go back to October 2016 when the nearby contract hit $40 on the, on the monthly chart. So right now, I would say the next target, if we break 50, we probably take a dime off that and we're looking at 40. If we're just looking at here recently and we actually view that move by the April 2019 or excuse me, 2020 contract as legitimate, then the door's open to possibly going back to 37. So, and it all comes again. It comes back to trends, 
what the spreads are telling us. And the spreads are telling us August hogs are quite bearish at this point. Um, and so you've got the weight, you've got all that weight coming onto the hog, hog market. There's just really no one ready to step in and buy it yet. Darren, before we let you go, remind our listeners how they can get in contact with you, how they can follow you on social media. All right. On social media, you can go to Twitter and, and uh, just my, my standard uh, is uh, just Darren Newsom. Uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty easy to find. I was pretty uh, creative when I come, came up with that title. Uh, if they want to go online and find me, I'm at DarrenNewsom.com. They can take a free trial of the website. Then I've got another Twitter account for, uh, for, follow, for uh, subscribers. It's Newsom Analysis. So, uh, again, easy to find. Go to DarrenNewsom.com. That's the, that's the best place to start. Fantastic. Well, Darren, thank you so much for joining us today to Talk Markets. I enjoy visiting with you both always, and thank you so much for having me on again. Well, again, a big thank you there to Darren Newsom for chatting markets with us today. We are always chatting about lots of interesting things, not just commodity markets on the Ag News Daily podcast. So be sure to check out all of our past episodes at agnewsdaily.com. Absolutely. And visit us on social media. Check in with Ashton anytime. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ag News Daily. With that, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.